What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the NL Central Whip Around Podcast. Uh, we are without Ryan today, but we do have Ben. I know I missed last week. I'm happy to be back. Uh, Ben's the only one sticking with us <laughs> this whole time here. How's it going, Ben? It's doing well, and I've I've had my fair share of misses too. That was the one a couple weeks ago where you carried on just you by yourself for a yeah. whole hour or so podcast. But yeah, we're doing some rotating with summer and work and all that stuff. But I mean, with the way this division is going, you may not even need all three of us to talk about it because for the most part, outside of your Cardinals, it's kind of trending downward for a little yeah. bit. Last week, it was very much trending downward. It's turned a little bit since our last episode last Friday, but um, I'm sure you're very, this is probably the most excited you've been for an episode all year. Maybe May, I, I'm not, oh I don't want to put yeah. mouth, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it was rough coming to the show for the first couple of weeks. I'm not going to lie. Having to try to pull out some stats to try to defend my guys, but finally these balls are starting to fall for us. Um, all right, let's get into this. Uh, we got the Brewers sitting at 24 and 19, Pirates 23 and 20, Reds 19 24, Cubs with the exact same record, and Cardinals bringing up the rear at 19 and 26. This is wide open for the taking. I feel like any team with a good week this week could jump right above these Brewers if the Reds come out and they have, let's see, who are they playing? Start with New York tonight, so not an yeah. easy task. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. But I, w- I was going to say, if, if any of these teams has a great week, they can kind of pull themselves right back into this really, really quick, which that'll be something really interesting to watch these next couple weeks since it's kind of brought itself closer together again. Um, yeah, we've got the Brewers uh, swept the Royals and took one out of three versus the Cardinals. Pirates uh, took one out of three versus Orioles and one of two versus Tigers. Reds, two out of three versus the Marlins, but one out of three versus the Rockies. Cubs, rough week for them, taking one out of three versus the Twins and got swept by the Astros. Uh, Finally, Cardinals swept the Red Sox, two out of three versus Brewers, and then one last night versus the Dodgers. Um, All right, before we get into the specific teams, do you have any big division takeaways so far? Yeah, I'll say this much, and I don't want to hit on all of it because I think it kind of goes with what you're going to start out with with the Brewers. But with uh, as I've started like two weeks ago when the Pirates kind of started to fade and have now have really fallen off a cliff, the Brewers was the team I expected to be kind of at the top at this point, at least until the Cardinals. I mean, they weren't going to climb out of an eight-game deficit in the span of a month. Like the Cardinals, it's it may take until late June, early July until they're back up there, which I expect them to be. I didn't think that, that the team we saw for most of April was the team we're going to see all year. Um, so until that point, I really expect the Brewers to control this division. I don't think the Pirates are getting enough for and we saw how bad the Cubs can be this week and the Reds are the Reds. So because um, unless things just go off the walls, terrible, I don't expect the Cardinals to be, um, although I expect them to keep winning, I don't expect them to be back at the top for a couple of weeks because overcoming a six-game deficit is no easy task. So I, I think this is the Brewers division for the next month or so, but I don't think that means this is the Brewers division for the rest of the season because look out for the Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can see, yeah, the, the Brewers do kind of have a hold on the division right now, just being a game up. Um, but we and the Pirates are sinking. So that that's kind of a fake game back there for the Pirates. Um, really, the next closest team, I would say, is the Reds to the Brewers right now, which is kind of kind of crazy to think about, um, even though the Pirates are technically still up there. Um, all right. Uh, we can start with the Brewers here. Um 
Brewers, they had kind of a rough stint there. Uh, they swept the Royals, which is great. But, you, I, I, you know, at this point, you kind of expect to sweep the Royals. They're not the team. Uh, <laughs> they're they're definitely still rebuilding. And this is the kind of thing you can come into town and take advantage of. Um, and they definitely did that, sweeping the Royals. Um, but then taking one out of three versus the Cardinals. I, I'm struggling with this because I don't know. I don't know whether to put this more on the Cardinals right now or just a buzzsaw. And it feels like almost nobody can keep up with them for these last like two weeks or so. Or if it's that the Brewers kind of tailed off and they weren't playing their best ball or maybe both. I, I'm really not sure what it is. What What do you think? Um, I, I just think I, and I, I feel like I say this pretty much every time we talk about the Brewers. It's just kind of it's an inconsistent team where. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think the Cardinals are a buzz, buzzsaw right now? Yes, but I think the Cardinals could be reeling and, and still potentially maybe take it to take it to Milwaukee for a couple games in a row. That's kind of my thing just with when you have an inconsistent offense and it's filled with platoon hitters, like um, maybe not necessarily Yelich, but like a Winker and other hitters in that lineup, like there's there's going to be stretches where they just don't put up runs and there's going to be stretches where they can compete with anyone. So I sound like a broken clock because I feel like I've said that multiple episodes in a row. But I think it's just it's a very inconsistent baseball team is, is the best way to put it. Um, I don't think they're going to get hot for more than like week stretches at a time. But I also think you're going to see weeks where they go like one and six because the offense doesn't show up. So um, I'm not like disagreeing with the part that the Cardinals are a buzzsaw right now because – you've seen how much runs they're putting up and stuff like that. But um, I think that's the biggest thing with the Brewers is that they're just inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm looking at this uh, Brewers have 12th and team ERA. I think a lot of that is, is that one game against the Cardinals where they let up 18 runs. If you take that out of the equation, I'm sure they're right back up there in like top 10, maybe seven, six kind of area. Um, And that's definitely more where they've been pitching like, even though they have some injuries, uh, especially with Wade Miley uh, going down earlier this week in the game against the Cardinals. Um, But I just want to say they only scored three runs in three games versus the Cardinals. And the Cardinals uh, pitching staff has been horrendous uh, so far to start the season. And I, it, it, it does not help when you're trotting out uh, basically triple A lineups. Um, there was a joke going around uh, Cardinal social media a little while ago. Um, Matthew Libertor came up, had his first start of the season against the Brewers this last week. Pitched very, very well. I believe it was five or six innings, no runs allowed, or maybe it was one. Um, and he just had a fantastic first outing of the year. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, look at this. And then they started taking screenshots of the Brewers lineup and saying, well, this is no scarier than the AAA lineups he's been facing so far this year. And he's been dicing them up too. Um, and th- that's kind of a joke, but they are 19th in team OPS. That's I, I expected them to be a little bit better. Um, I keep saying I expect this team to be the opposite of the Cardinals and that I expect an average offense and a top five D uh, top five pitching staff um, kind of the opposite. So I, I think, they just need to improve that ERA is kind of inflated right now, uh, but that OPS definitely is not. They they keep resting their lefties against lefties, um, and those lefties kind of carry uh, with Rowdy Telez, Christian Yelich. They're not the best hitters, but at some point, you kind of need to put the best hitters in your lineup on a day-to-day basis, regardless of the matchups, because the the lineup that they're trotting out against lefties just is not cutting it. Yeah, no, I, I could not agree more. I think there's a an ability to kind of have the platoon type of lineup in big league rosters, but I don't think the Brewers roster is one that you can do it with because 
the alternative where you're putting right-handers against your left-handed hitting or left-handed lineups. Like it's just drastically worse to the point where you might as well just give your left-handers a chance to take a crack left on left. Like there's some teams who have enough bench depth. I even think there's some instances where I like what the Reds do where they rest Fraley and Friedel, not necessarily Friedel, but Fraley against left-handed pitchers because they have some guys that can hit lefties for average, but the Brewers, I don't really think have that. So at this Mm -hmm. point in time, it's kind of like, it's you might as well just have to hit left on left because it's just such a drastic difference um, just because they don't have that necessarily hitting depth. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's all I have on the Brewers. We can move on to the Pirates here, Ben, if you want to take us there. Yeah. I mean, Pirates, it feels like we've, we kind of saw this coming. I never really bought into the hype with the Pirates. I don't think you did either. Um, I believe all the most credit I said was they could be a high seventies win team that plays spoiler late in the year, but as they continue to fade, but I don't want to be all negative because Mitch Keller, and you mentioned this before the show is continuing to ascend to one of the better pitchers in baseball and against Baltimore in Baltimore on Sunday, he went seven innings, four hits, did not allow a run and punched out 13 to bring his season ERA down to two, three, eight. You got any comments on Mitch Keller this season, Adam? I, again, we were talking about this right before the show. It feels like he's been around forever and we look at him. He's, he's 27 years old. Now this is kind of his first year that he's, kind of had a team around him uh, the last couple of years have been horrible 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 uh, but this year he's kind of got some guys around him he already has a complete game this year he always already has a shutout um we we knew that the stuff was going to be there eventually I think this is the year that he's kind of breaking out I know we saw it a couple of years ago the end of last year um, but this this guy is for real and I would already put him top 10 pitchers of baseball so far this year yeah, and then I'll, I'll say a couple other things about, about Pittsburgh because the offense does continue to fade. Um, Brian Hayes, I think, has been underwhelming this season at hitting up just at 228 at the top of the lineup. Brian Reynolds is still Brian Reynolds, going to hit you around 300. And McCutcheon, I think, has his moments hitting at just over 250, but it does it does suck for them because this would have been a great season to see O'Neill Cruz continue to take step forwards, and now mm-hmm. he's not even getting at bat. So you lose that in the developmental process where in what is most likely going to be a lost season, getting as many at-bats as possible and finding his footing is one of the biggest keys to that way when you're hopefully competing in two-ish years that he's found his footing in the big league, and he's the star that we all think he can be. Last thing I'll say is uh, kind of a fun moment is, although they did lose the first game, Pittsburgh came back two days ago and took game two in Detroit, eight to nothing, including um, the moment between Rich Hill, who pitched very well, goes six innings, one hit, no runs, beating Miguel Cabrera on a race to first base, two 40-plus-year-olds <laughs> who have faced off against each other for nearly two decades, uh, beating a beating a race to the first base bag, which Rich Hill won. Um, and then final thing is this Pittsburgh bullpen has continued to kind of really impress me. The, the back end, you know what you have in Bednar's closure. Holderman's been a good setup guy, but even some other names, funny enough, both of them former Cincinnati Reds, Robert Stevenson and Dari Moretta, both have ERAs under two and a half and have, have made big strides. They both pitched in their win a couple days ago. And as you continue to look at the ERAs on the staff, like it, it continues to surprise you who you see under like two and a half. Um, even Jose Hernandez, who's had 16 appearances, just at 3-1-2 in 17 innings. So it's a Pirates team. Who, although they're fading, if you get to the sixth inning and you're down two to one, three to one, it's, it's going to be a lot tougher to come back against them against other teams. So I guess that's something they can kind of uh, hold their name to for the moment as they kind of continue to trend downward. Yeah, uh, these guys, I, I think what we wanted from them this year was to play fun baseball. 
and just be kind of that spoiler team and play play fun ball. Um, to me, fun baseball is stolen bases, uh, a lot of hits. They're leading the league in stolen bases this year. They have 50 stolen bases as a team already, and that's kind of a formula. You see that pattern, you go, okay, now what's the on-base percentage? Because you get on base, and then you go steal a base. Their on-base percentage is 16th in the league, so about average, uh, but they are 6th in the league in walks. So if you're leading the league in stolen bases and you're number six in walks, that's a formula right there. That's the beginning of something that a team can build around, especially if Mitch Keller can continue to be an ace. Um, it's it's kind of a negative last couple of weeks for these Pirates, but we, we're still seeing kind of the formula that they're trying to get to, even if it's not working out yet. Yeah, and it's funny that you like I mentioned the Neil Cruz injury. That stolen bases number could be even higher because he's an electric base runner, and oh, you yeah. figure – he probably adds, depending on exactly how long he's been out, another six to ten steals to that number. I would think at least. I don't know how many he was stolen before he went out with the injury, but that's a guy who's as fast as anyone on the field. So um, I think that's a good formula when you necessarily don't have big home run hitters. I mean, um, you look up and down this lineup, McCutcheon and Carlos Santana aren't hitting for the power that they used to, um, and you miss the power on O'Neill Cruz's bat. So when you don't have power, you got to get him on, get him over, and get him in. And to see them successfully doing that, I think, gives you hope for the future when they do maybe add another impact bat or two that puts them over the wall to to say that those are going to turn from solo homers into two or three run bombs instead. Yeah. Uh, I just have one more thing on the Pirates here. Looking at the other stolen base leaders on the year, um, <clears throat> sorry, right behind them are the Rays, the Guardians, the Orioles, and the Marlins. Um, it, that's kind of a cluster of teams that all kind of have a formula that the Pirates can kind of copy. These these uh, fast teams, good pitching, taking under the radar guys, becoming very good teams, notably right behind them. The Tampa Bay Rays are probably the best team in baseball, or at least were for the first month or so. Um, so that's that's very, very encouraging for uh, the Pirates. And hopefully they can write that ship. No pun intended. Uh, ben, you want to take us to the Reds? <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna comment on on the pun. We've had we've had a lot of ones like that, especially last week, Ryan, with uh some of the some of the ways he was breaking down the upcoming schedule this week. He was he was trying to pick all of them out, but we'll move we'll move on to the Reds. Um good start to the week. I'm very happy that they took the series in Miami on the road, especially because those first two games you're facing Yuri Perez, top prospect, flamethrower, making his MLB debut. And then Sandy Alcantara, who previously had absolutely dominated the Reds in matchups throughout his career. But the Reds actually kind of got to Alcantara on Saturday in a game that the Reds ended up winning 6-5 to five at the very end. But um, Sandy, they jumped on him in 7.2 innings for six earned runs um, as his ERA is now up nearly five on the season. So for the Reds to take those two games, I think is a is a very good sign, especially the weekend that Jake Fraley had Jake Fraley had down there in South Beach, had big three-run home runs in both of those games, including the go-ahead one um, on the Friday night game that they end up winning. And then coming back on Saturday, Fraley um, was big once again with two hits and four RBI. So it was a big weekend series for him. They lose the Mother's Day game. But then I would have liked – I really think that this is a series in Colorado that they should have came back and won as well and should have been a 4-2 winning road trip. And it looked like they were going to do that because in the finale, they were up 5 to nothing. Graham Ashcraft had cruised through four straight innings, and then it just all unraveled, and they ended up losing 11-6. to So I don't know what flipped they're going into the six, but not only did it unravel for Ashcraft, it unraveled for the bullpen and Lucas Sims as well, who had been dominant. So um, I guess the big takeaway from that series is Brandon Williamson, who was – 
the uh, the biggest of four pieces in the Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez trade. Struggled with command in the minors, but started to figure things out in his last couple AAA starts, and then came up against um, against the Brewers on Tuesday and absolutely shoved. Five and two-thirds innings, allowed just two hits and one run while punching out six and walking just two. And at one point in his major league debut in Coors, Coors Field, can't get much tougher than that, he retired 14 in a row. So when you know you have the rookies that you're hoping continue to take a step forward in Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, if Williamson is the guy that was such a highly ranked prospect and one of the best strikeout pitchers in the minors a couple years ago, if that gives you anything as a four or five shutter, I think you feel very good about it. I don't expect him to pitch as good and as in the zone as he was last time, but it'll be a very fun test to see because I believe his next start will be against the Cardinals, a scolding hot offense who is a left-handed pitcher and Williamson is going to face a lot of really good hitting righties and two of them no better than Goldschmidt and Arenado. So I'm excited to see what he does in start number two in great American small park. Um, Like I said, I believe that start will be on Monday against the Cardinals. He doesn't line up to face the Yankees this weekend. So it'll be interesting kind of test number two. You go from a super hard, hard ballpark in course to still a hard ballpark in great American ballpark, but you're facing um, a very good Cardinals lineup. And yeah, that is scheduled for Monday. So we'll have a battle of lefties between uh, Jordan Montgomery and Brandon Williamson um, on Monday in Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, that's super impressive. I know we talked about making that moment of the week. Um, uh, but we didn't, was that, yeah, that was Williamson's debut that we talked about making moment of the week. Correct. We didn't end up going with, yeah, yeah. I, just the, even mentally knowing, going into the game that you're making your major league debut, one of the most nerve wracking games of your entire life. And it's at Coors Field. Um, that's, that's kind of scary. And then in the first inning, you're probably facing off against Chris Bryant. Um, one of the a former MVP, former rookie of the year, uh, fantastic player. Um, that's that's a very intimidating thing mentally, and uh, striking or not striking out, retiring fourteen in a row. You said, yeah. Uh, doing that, facing all of that mental pressure, just is is very very impressive to me. Um, I will admit the Reds are probably the team that I've been paying the least attention to so far. Um, in this in this last couple weeks or so. I'm not really sure exactly, but I mean, I'm looking at them. They're going 500 this last week. Uh, You said almost came out with that Rockies game. Uh, He was cruising through four innings. So I I mean, going 500 for this team right now is kind of what you want. You want to take two out of three versus the Rockies, but 500 at this point in the season, you know, stay steady, continue to go. And then maybe you can find a little spark later on in the season. That's totally fine right now. Yeah, agreed. And especially with um and funny thing is I realized I went through this whole thing. I talked about one debut. I didn't talk about the debut of Matt McLean, another uh prospect in the Reds organization. I believe just recently made his way onto the top 100 list in the most recent MLB pipeline. I think he was at the back end um because he's been scolding the ball in AAA. He was a first-round pick for the Reds in 2021, I believe, in the early 20s. So shortstop at UCLA, and he makes his debut on Monday night in Colorado and immediately gets a hustle double. So it'll be very fun to see because it looks like he's going to be a mainstay. And not only shortstop, but in the top of that lineup is a uh, contact hitter. He's already penciled in as the number two hitter tonight against the Yankees. So I'm excited to see what he continues to do. And last thing I'll say about Williamson, you – um, kind of brought up the the nerves and the mindset. And you hear multiple pitchers talking about their debuts, just make it through the first inning. Well, Williamson starts out his debut. He's facing Charlie Blackman. 
Great pitch sequencing. The first two pitches gets ahead 0-2 with a breaking ball, and then he throws him 91 middle high right down Broadway, and Blackman smokes it for a single. And I guarantee you, or I shouldn't guarantee you, who knows, I can't be inside Brandon Williamson's head, but you're thinking, okay, here we go again. I just made a terrible pitch. He smokes it for a leadoff single, and my first base runner in the big leagues is already on base. And then he comes back to get an out and a double play, and you're out of the inning and three batters. So kind of to respond like he did, I think was – the, the launch pad into what was overall a great start. So it was good to see the mental toughness to not allow one. It was left on left with Charlie Blackman to get on, but smoke a single and bad pitch location. So um, I was very, very impressed with Brandon Williamson. And I only hope that it continues to show why he was the main piece the Reds wanted when they traded Winker and Suarez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you say the main piece, which is high praise, especially considering that trade involved Noel V. Marte. Am I correct in that? Marte was the uh, Castillo deal. Oh, so I'm we, sorry. That's right. We kept going back, or excuse me, the Reds kept going back to the Mariners well last season. So they made two trades. Of All in all, I think they brought over seven players from the Mariners last season. So oh um, just quickly, so they, they traded um, Winker and Suarez together. And this may not have been as big of a package as it could have been when you consider how good Winker was at the time. Um, it was not the same Winker we have now, but the reason the, it wasn't as good because the Reds completely offloaded Suarez's like $30 million contract or whatever it was um, to get him off the team. So they get Williamson, they got Justin Dunn, a former hyped up prospect, mm, but has yeah. been hurt the entire time. They got Jake Fraley, who really, if you look at it, has just been flat out better than Winker. If you compare their numbers since being <laughs> traded, Fraley has been better than Winker. So I didn't see that coming. Um, and then they got a fourth piece. Um, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. I think they got another pitcher um, from the Mariners in that deal. And then they go back later in the season. They trade Castillo for Noelle Marte. Was That's the prize prospect. I mm -hmm. believe in the most recent rankings, he was rated right at number 25. And they also get Edwin Arroyo, another top prospect. So yeah. I'm excited. Those, with those Mariners players. love to trade. I will yeah. tell you that. I saw a video about them. They made like the most trades in baseball in the last 10 years, and it wasn't even close. Yep. That's crazy. If, if they can turn out for us, I will be a very, very happy fan. Absolutely. I, giving up Castillo is a big deal, obviously, with yep. how he's been doing. But, you know, you get he wasn't going to be good for you or he was going to be good for you, but it wasn't really going to matter these next couple of years. Correct. And these coming years after that is when it really matters. Uh, all right. I will take us to the Cubs now. I know we spent a while on the Reds um, and I know Ryan would probably want me to talk a lot about the Cubs as well, or maybe not that much because they did not have that great they've lost three straight series um david ross really coming under pressure now i've been seeing a lot of pressure on him uh on social media i know that's not everything but uh like the twitter the instagram um he's definitely facing a lot of uh what is he even doing here kind of kind of comments um they're 13th in team era about average a little bit better um but i know ryan would want me to mention uh chris morell um, who uh, came up last week and in eight games so far in the big leagues, he is hitting 371, uh, almost a 400 on base and slugging 850. That's like what, uh, 1.2 ish uh, OPS, if I'm doing the math right in my head. Uh, but he's got five home runs, 10 RBIs and 13 hits in just eight games. That is that is extremely good. I know he played a bunch last year, over 100 games for the Cubbies. Um, and was not super great. He was okay, not great. Um, but I, 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 Ryan's gonna hate me for this. Um, I don't think it's sustainable. I think he's just starting out hot. Um, he's 
strike <laughs> he struck out 14 times and only walked once in these eight games that's not a that's not a recipe for success uh long term uh that's a 32 percent uh strikeout rate the league average is 22 percent and he's walking at a 2.8 percent and the league average is eight so those numbers um are not conducive to long-term success but right now he is kind of kind of carrying the Cubs to um, about a 500 record right now. Uh, actually, no, they're a little bit lower than 500. I thought they were still around that 500 remark. Uh, but yeah, he's kind of he's kind of dragging them up a little bit. Um, Brian, do you, Brian, Ben, do you have anything to say about the Cubs? Yeah, first of all, I'll agree with you about Morrell because it was very similar last year when he came up. He came up scolding hot, had a couple walk-offs, a home run, I think, in his first at-bat, and he came back down to earth, which was the reason he didn't even break camp with the club this year. Um, I th- I would say when Morell is hot and going, he can be just as impactful as I think any bat in this lineup because there is no like big MVP-type hitter in the middle of this order. I know you have a former MVP in Bellinger, and you have some good hitters, but they're not the same, I think, as they were. So Morell, when he is going, can – be a top of the order guy getting on base. And also he plays multiple positions. So a very key piece, but I truly expect those numbers to come back down. If he can dial the strikeouts back and just continue to make a little bit more contact, he can be a key piece to this offense. But I think there's a reason why he has been demoted back from the Cubs to AAA multiple times within the last year. And that's because he is a free swinger. He's going to go for the fences pretty much every time he's taking that bat off his shoulder. And I think it's going to lead to inconsistencies as well. And then other thing I'll say about the Cubs is that that series finale loss against Houston has just got to be very deflating for a team that is already reeling a little bit. And then to be up six to one and six to three in the ninth and you blow it. I don't even know if they got an out in Houston in that ninth inning. If they did, they only got one. Uh, So that's, that's a tough, tough loss. I said earlier on the season, once you get past the top of the order, which they're missing Horner, but once you get past him, Swanson and app, this lineup really does not scare me a ton. And especially with the bottom of the order and, and guys like uh, Mervis struggling, um, some of the other outfielders struggling, maybe not outfielders, but some of the hitters struggling, um, I, I think there's really I don't necessarily know if this is a great Cubs team outside of competing with uh competing for a wild card spot. So we'll see if they get hot. They've they've shown stretches to be a very good offense, but as as it currently stands, I'm not too shocked by the Cubs kind of falling back a little bit because um just from top to bottom there are holes in this roster. Yeah. Uh they're still eighth in the league in OPS. So I mean there is still promise there. Um, this team definitely has the ability to hit, but doesn't always pull through, uh, on that. Uh, we can talk more about the Cubs next week. Um, when Ryan is back on the show, because I know he has probably a giant rant to go on winning one out of six games this last week. I will see how they do next week. Uh, but we can move on now to the Cardinals and we can kind of merge that with moment and player of the week because the Cardinals took home both of those, uh, Cardinals are nine and two in the last 11 fourth in team OPS, 16th in team ERA. That's kind of exactly where I expected the Cardinals to be for the entire season uh, right here. Fourth in OPS, 16th in team ERA. That's, that's about perfect for, for what I'm expecting. Um, they're third in hard hit percentage, which is balls hit over 95 miles an hour. And they're 24th in hard hit percentage against. And that kind of tells me that we've been getting a little bit lucky uh, these last couple games this last week or so. Um, but the pitching has been much better. Um, I, I'm not going to try to discredit that. Uh, Yenesis Cabrera has been horrible, but other than that, um, 
starting pitching has been decent. Bullpen has been decent. Um, I'm, I'm honestly kind of impressed with the way that this pitching staff has been able to respond. Um, and also the offense as well, a couple of 16 and 18 run outbursts in the last week as well, which is absolutely wild. Um, you knew the balls were going to start falling for this offense. Uh, it wasn't going to continue to be extremely hard hit, but extremely low runs scored. Um, and also the, uh, runners in scoring position statistics were, horrendous uh they're starting to pick up as well um most importantly and this isn't a statistic this team is finding a way to win games instead of finding a way to lose games like they were earlier in the season and that is the that is the recipe for a good team apparently paul goldschmidt um leading into the chicago series had a big clubhouse meeting and they had a big speech and something has definitely uh, switched up in the, in the culture and the atmosphere of the team since then. I don't know what was said, but it was obviously a big moment. And the funny thing is too, like, I think we'll very easily be able to look back at, at kind of that Chicago series, even in like July and be like, that's where the switch flipped. And that's the reason why, not only are they competing for a wild card spot, but within a couple of games, even maybe a pass the Brewers by that point um, in, in terms of leading the National League Central Division. So uh, I I don't know if I'm happy that they've turned around. I think as a Reds fan, I would have been more happy if they um, continued to just, especially after that Tiger series, continue to suffer in the gutter of the NL Central. But to say I didn't expect it would be lying because there's just too much talent on that team, and it's not even completely full with with everyone that could be there with some of the talent in AAA. So um, I think they've really started to take advantage of facing really not as great pitching. I think they've they've realized, um, although I, they did face the Brewers, I think they faced both Peralta and Burns in that series. Correct me if I'm wrong. So that that mm-hmm. was no that was no easy task, but. Um, I think as as they went into that Cardinal series and then last weekend against the Red Sox, who don't really boast an incredible starting rotation, really the best pitcher that went in that weekend in Fenway was Sale on Saturday, who was great. But they, they jumped all over Kluber and took advantage of him, and I don't remember who it was Friday night. But I think they've really started to take advantage. And when you're winning series on the road and picking up games there, especially a sweep in Fenway, that's just got to give you so much confidence. Then coming back home to Bush Stadium where you've got a divisional rival series with the Brewers, and then you're getting a weekend set with the Dodgers who – coming in were really really hot I believe I believe the Dodgers won like five or six in a row something like that um before before they faced um before they faced the Cardinals last night so uh to start it on the road I think is huge because then you get that momentum coming back home we're already more comfortable um and we're just continuing to see that and I expect it to continue I haven't seen their whole schedule for the rest of May um I know we're going to get into this next week here in a second but I wouldn't be shocked if we said you come next week and they've gone four and two or five and two again once throughout their uh, weekly schedule. Yeah. Um, the One of the big things I'm looking at here is uh, when this uh, crazy streak of, you know, nine out of the last 11 games kind of comes to an end. Uh, how do the Cardinals respond after after that streak kind of ends, after you lose a series for the first time in like three weeks? How do you come back in that next series and and do you win a game or two there? And mentally, how do you come back from that? Um, Because the season is full of these losing streaks and winning streaks. But if you can shorten the losing streaks and respond after a winning streak comes to an end, uh, that's that's definitely um, how teams go on runs uh, for a consistent amount of time and not just these two week little flashes in the pan. 
Uh, all right, I will take us to moment of the week. Uh, Cardinals hit seven home runs to defeat the Dodgers 16 to eight yesterday. That is Thursday. Um, that is the most home runs in a home game for the Cardinals since 1940. That included two from Gorman, two from Contreras. Both of Contreras's were three run home runs, had a little bit of a pimp job on one of them. Uh, that was late in the game. Um, I don't know if you caught any highlights or we were talking about this. You were, <laughs> you went away for about 20 minutes. You came back and the game was over practically. Yeah. So I was, I was watching, I was watching both that game and the Lakers game at the same time. Lakers game ends. Um, I was like, I'm not, I don't need to see the end of this Cardinals game. Um, cause even though the Dodgers had made it nine, eight at the time, it was nine, eight Cardinals coming to bat in the bottom of the eighth inning. I go away for like 20 minutes. I come back to the TV and the Cardinals are still hitting. And I was like, what, what in the world happened? I go, I pull up MLB and see that it's Contreras three run Homer, a couple other runs, one runs driven in. And it's what an inning for, for the Cardinals, especially where um, the earlier on in the game, it was home run after home run. I think they got three off of Arias in one inning early on. It was, in that it was game. four and three yeah. in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I mean, to, and then to allow the Dodgers back in it, Freddie Freeman at that grand slam, I think to have a bottom of the eighth inning like that um, is pretty, pretty impressive. And, uh, considering some of the offense production the Cardinals put up this week, now two games where they've just really taken it to an opponent has to be a very, very good feeling for that offense that came under a lot of scrutiny just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and off of two very good pitchers, that's uh, yep. Peralta and Julio Urias, yep. two of the better pitchers in the game. All right, and Cardinals take the sweep uh, on the moment and player of the week. Uh, we got Nolan Arenado for the Cardinals, of course. He hit 414, 438, and uh, slugged over 1,000 this week with six home runs, 15 RBIs, and 12 hits. He hit five. Uh, he had a streak of five straight games with a home run. He took a day off, and then he hit one yesterday. Um, absolutely fantastic week for both Cardinals named Nolan. Uh, Nolan Gorman also probably could have been in contention. He hit 500 this last week with like five home runs as well. Um, absolutely crazy last couple weeks, uh, for these, these two young men, uh, both Nolans on the Cardinals. Yeah. And there's a reason Gorman had so much hype as a prospect coming up last year. And I don't know if you necessarily played bad last year, but it felt like some of that hype died off and you weren't seeing him as much. And with a talent or crowded Cardinals roster, I, it feels like maybe he wasn't talked about as much. And now he may be just as important of a hitter as anyone. You see him, especially as a lefty, being used kind of to break up the back-to-back -back righties of Goldschmidt and Arenado. So to be having that important of a of kind of a um a position in the order to kind of break that up um is really important, especially too. I think it works to Gorman's favor because he has that lineup protection of Goldschmidt and Arenado around him. He's gonna get strikes. And boy, is he taking advantage, especially in that game last Friday in Boston where he had the clutch two-run homer. So you're you're very much seeing why he was a guy on a lot of teams' boards climbing up prospect lists. Absolutely. Uh, I, I know we kind of cheated there. It was Nolan Arenado taking player of the week, but Nolan Gorman also deserved yeah, it. I, yeah, no, I yeah. I, you, you, you talked about the Nolans. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about Arenado enough, especially hitting multiple over the monster. But uh, yeah. I, I guess I took it into my own hands to make it Gorman is the my honorable mention because um, not only he was hitting homers, but had some clutch hits, very clutch hits. So I just thought Absolutely. that was interesting because as a young player to be – um, just in year two and trusted to have such an important spot in the batting order around guys who have been doing it for decades plus, I think is a very, very big, I guess, positive sign for how good of a player they believe Gorman can be. Absolutely. 
All right. Uh, for the quick schedule watching, we got the Brewers uh, staring down a very, very tough week coming off of kind of a rough uh, series versus the Cardinals. They have three at the Rays and three at home versus the Astros. Uh, Pirates uh, look to steady the ship. I know I already said that <laughs> earlier in the podcast, but three versus Diamondbacks, three versus Rangers. Very possible they come out 500 or better this week if they can turn things around. Uh, Reds host a couple of hot teams, the Yankees for three and the Cardinals for four Cubs, uh, try to regain some ground here. They, uh, three at Philadelphia and then they host the Mets for three. And then the Cardinals have a couple of four game sets. Try to keep this going four versus Dodgers and then four at the Reds. Um, what series are you kind of looking forward to in this next week, uh, for any of these teams? I mean, Reds-Yankees might be a pretty decent measuring stick for Cincinnati, especially because you're going to have not necessarily your better pitchers. I mean, they're starting Ben Lively tonight, Cincinnati is, and then they're going to throw out Luke Weaver tomorrow, whose ERA I think is still in the high five. So if your offense can maybe carry the load this week, and I think, like I said, could be a good measuring stick for the Yankees, I know aren't in first place in the AL East, but they're still the Yankees, and it's still Aaron Judge coming to Cincinnati, and probably going to be in front of the most fans the Reds have played at in Cincinnati since opening day. It's going to be a relatively packed weekend. So I think it'll be good to see just how far along is this team. And then you're going to get a scolding hot Cardinals team coming in as well. So seven games there against the Yankees and St. Louis. I would be very, very happy if they could go three and four in that stretch. I'm not expecting it, but if you find a way to, to, to win a game against the Yankees, and then if you could some, if you could pull out a split against St. Louis, I personally would be very content with three and four. And if they do anything better than that, I'd be surprised and very, very happy about it. Yeah, absolutely. And if any of these teams in the central are looking to gain ground this week, it would be very good to take it in a week where the Brewers are taking three versus two of the best teams in baseball Yep. Um, each. All right. Well, that is about all we have for this week. Uh, we will see you uh, next time on the NL Central Whip Around podcast. Thank you for listening.